Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. I'm Josh. And on this week, we're really happy that tech has such a long athletic history as we're still trying to do some filler episodes and we'll do another Where Are They Now? Hell yeah. Now, when you say now, do you mean right at this moment? Yeah, I mean, the last one that <laughs> we did, or last one I did, the guy has been dead for a long time. So I feel like, where is he now? <laughs> yeah. In the ground. Should be pretty easy but, to find now, yeah. Yeah. I, I did on. find him on findmygrave.com too, so that helped a bit too. But yeah, hey, maybe, I where use that are at they? work sometimes. What a weird pivot. And now I we're mean, going to talk about Evan's work for a bit, where he apparently yeah, kills people, people and puts their graves up. No, 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 no. <laughs> people want to know really... where their dead ancestors are, and I yeah. tell them to use that website. That's all. Oh, here, this is where I put the body. Or it's like, <laughs> or you're threatening them. Find a grave. <laughs> <laughs> Create a page for them. Okay, we're already. <laughs> we've only been on here for two minutes, and we're off track. Let's. That's par for the course. Anyway, that's gonna yeah. be that's gonna be a pretty good rap lyric someday. Like you know, you're gonna find your you're gonna find yourself on findagrave.com. We keep we keep going further and further away from. What that. is this like a, like a like a fourth grade level insult? So it's something Eminem would rap about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or based off pre-show discussions, Kendrick Lamar. So Kendrick. hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> syrup sandwiches. Anyway, so what we're, what we're going to do for the next two weeks is we're going to do a where are they now? We'll record both of them in the same session. So and some jokes may carry over. We'll see how that works. But uh, lots going on for especially Evan and I right now. So yeah. we want to record these a little ahead of time. So we won't have all the football scheduling news either. But yeah, I mean, so whatever the big news that dropped the day before you heard this, we're totally covering that at the end of the episode. Just keep listening. Here's my yeah. reaction. <gasps> Skip to Purdue. Yeah, and if UAB drops their football team again, we won't know for like three weeks, I think. I think we'll know. <laughs> That's how that math works. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so let's get started. I drew, or we didn't really draw straws, but I'm the one going first this time because I didn't go first last time. And Nathan I'm, rules with an iron fist and he decided that he's going first. So yeah. we all said, okay. Well, it's hard to introduce the person going first when I am the person going first. <laughs> but... That's what's happening here. And first up is me. And speaking of first, I'm going to do a first in terms of we've never talked about a soccer player before. Oh, nice. On one of these. And so I'm talking about oh, the former Lady Texter soccer player, Nambula Kuli. I believe it's called football. She would agree because she was born in South Africa where they do call it football. Oh, right. Her name is her name is Nambula. Is that right? Nambula. N-O-M-V-U-L-A. Nice. Oh, and her last okay. name is I, I ended up looking up a video where she says her own name just so I could try to get the pronunciation close to correct. But she was born in South Africa in 1995. Two years before she was born, that's only when South Africa created a women's national team. So women playing soccer in South Africa is about as old as she is. But soccer had been popular in South Africa since, you know, British colonialism. So it's really kind of unsurprising that uh, Coley played it often as a kid. And it turned out she was pretty good, and she played defender, um, a lot of times playing cornerback. She was so good, in fact, that she was named she was named to the national women's under seventeen team, the U seventeen team, awesome. which is which is pretty great. Again, South Africa doesn't have the greatest tradition of women's soccer, but that's still quite a feat to get named to that stage of a team. And they competed in the U seventeen Women's World Cup in twenty ten. It was the second Women's World Cup, and also the first one that South Africa qualified for. 
and uh, they acted like it was their first one as they finished last in their stage. Ooh. But, I mean... Yikes. Was that the year that World Cup was in South Africa? The Men's World Cup was in 2010. Okay. Oh, right, right, right. The Women's. Okay. And it wasn't gotcha. the, the main Women's World Cup either. But then she turned 17 and was no longer under 17. So she joined the under 20. <laughs> ages are hard. Ages are hard. Quick maths. Ask Evan. <laughs> hey, man. It's been weeks since that happened in terms week. of when people are it has, listening. It has been week. week. <laughs> it has but been three my days. Math, my math strikes again. <laughs> Time-traveling demon. But yeah, so she played for that U- U20 team for a bit, but she also got invited to play a game or two with a national team at the All-African Games in 2011, which is big. Like that's That's the highest level of South African soccer she can get to. And so that's pretty neat that she was able to do that. And we're still talking about before she got to tech. But after playing for the national team for a game or two, she came over to the States and attended Lindsey Wilson College, which I had never heard of. It's in Kentucky. Surprisingly, I didn't hear of it, but they won an NAIA national championship the year that she got there. So it was all her, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. From there, she transferred to Tyler Junior College, you know, where tech, at least baseball, gets all its recruits from. And then finally to tech, you know, the, the school we're talking about. At Tech, she played cornerback and gave Amika a run for his money, I guess, and played in 15 of the 21 games her first year here and scored two goals, which, again, as a defender, is pretty big. I'm not the biggest soccer person here. Maybe Matt should have covered <laughs> this more than I should because I know you well, know a lot more about soccer. But I imagine cornerbacks don't score a lot of points. Well, what's really bizarre is the use of the word cornerback because that either that probably means I'm unfamiliar with non-European terms, pushes glasses upward. But um, <laughs> sniffs own fart. Um, the superiority is coming through loud and clear. Cornerback must mean left or right back, which is uh, defenders. It's or- very, unless she was a roving. F- oh, God, I'm going to get on my soapbox, guys. Unless she was <laughs> a, unless she was a wing back, in which case that would be pretty cool. But she probably wasn't. She was probably a fullback. So, yes, quite uncommon for them to score goals. So, Nate, did you just see CB and. Because that means center back, right, Matt? It does. Okay. Is that what happened here? I believe I saw cornerback. Huh. And then I abbreviated it CB in the notes, but that may be completely wrong. Interesting. Well, I hope it was cornerback, even if it doesn't make sense in soccer terms, because then my (laughs) make joke that no one laughed at anyway was completely ruined. I'm sure all seven of our listeners will appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) Just as they're appreciating your post-meal snack. I only did it once or twice more. I'm done. I'm done. I <laughs> so uh, she scored two goals. What else did she accomplish? Yeah. So the next year she played more games than she had the previous year. Cause that's a lot of times how this works and had game winning or tying goals in four different games. Again, my God, as a defense wow. well, what? woman, <laughs> wait, game tying or winning goals in four yes. games In that's four games. Ex- that's a great, and she stat. played in 19 of them. That's a how great many- stat. Great. How many goals did she have overall? I believe that year she had seven. And four of them were game-winning or game-tying? <laughs> Jesus. From a defender? Yes, Josh. That's crazy. That. Yeah. And again, I mean, her defense was her strong suit. I mean, she scored <laughs> a lot of goals, but that first week in 2017, she was Conference USA Defensive Player of the Week, and then also First Team All Conference USA, First Team All Louisiana, and the list goes on of those awards just really quickly nice. what's her name again i'm googling navula coley navula wait don't don't google her yet let nathan yeah. keep telling us about her i can't even find her anyway uh, 
So she got all those awards for playing defense. Where and, is she now? And being a great player. But she didn't come all the way to America just to play soccer. She also wanted to play school, too. She graduated with a 3.4 GPA and geographic information systems. GIS. Yeah. Very nice. I always have to remember what it stands for. And, she probably uh, had Dr. Mack. Don't probably do this. did. Anyway, so she graduated uh, j- just this past May. And so graduation for most people was May 19th, 2019. But on May 12th, she got called back up to the South African national team to play hey, in a World Cup awesome. warm-up friendly match against the U.S. That's, that's uh, awesome. Well, at not the so San Francisco 49ers Stadium, uh, Levi Stadium in California. That's really cool. Yeah, she was a reserve, really cool. but she did come in the game at the 75th minute. Oh, that's pretty good minutes. 15 plus minutes. They lost 3 nothing, but I mean... That's not great. That's not. I mean, to the U.S., that may it's actually be It's the U.S. women's good. team, man. The best in the world. Oh, yeah, look at this. It says... Uh, oh, never mind, Nathan. I'm stealing your thunder. I'm sorry. So, South Africa did qualify for the Women's World Cup last year. Uh, it was the first time since the Women's World Cup existed that South Africa qualified for it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Coley did not make the final roster, even though she did play uh, some of those warm-up games. Uh, she'll get there. She'll get there. But she just graduated. She was in the United States until, I, I think they said they set the rosters on like May 21st, and she graduated on May 19th. That's really cool. I just graduated. <laughs> She had a chance, but I, I'm really curious if she'll make the team for the 2023 Women's World Cup. I guarantee, I bet you she will. I mean, that's if South Africa can qualify, but, and then we'll have a second team to root for. Well, I was going to say, she might be the first ever, well, there's never been men's soccer as far as I know. She might be the first ever soccer player from Louisiana Tech to play in a World Cup, if that happens. That's true. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, we could, <laughs> La Tech report, <laughs> let us know. Yeah, please. Um, I mean, not that the men would make the World Cup anyway. But, uh, <sighs> she, I mean, if all goes well and the Olympics actually happen next summer, they were supposed to happen this oh. summer. I mean, I don't know if South Africa qualified for the for the women's tournament in the Olympics, but if they did, maybe she could be on that roster. Could be. That'd yeah. be really cool. I'd have to keep an eye on her. Yeah. Yeah. I went, what I wanted to do when I was looking into players was I realized beyond Evans, uh, we had one lady texter basketball player i was like we haven't really covered a lot of lady texters and so i was trying to look for one for soccer or a softball and i was like oh wow wait what national team that's that's incredible granted she made it before she came to tech too she was on the team both before and after but tech didn't completely ruin her chances at making the national (laughs) team (laughs) louisiana tech not completely ruining people (laughs) since 1894 (laughs) yeah so i wonder if she might play in the NWSL, that would be cool too. Uh, there's leagues over in South Africa. There's a little bit more. It's funny, but uh, actually, it's not funny at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, not a lot of um, female leagues over in Europe, and Weird. I, I always, yeah, it is. Real Madrid just started uh, a women's team this year, and they're going to begin play this uh, this fall. All right. So that was my first player. Uh, Josh, who do you got? Ah, yes, yes, me, Josh. Um, so I did not do anything out of the norm. I went with another football player because, if anything, I am predictable. Now, too predictable? Probably. I don't know. Ask Matt. What? (laughs) He's not surprised to me. I'm here to talk about Joe Smith, the most pretty generic name. Pretty generic name. Now, he was not a generic player. Oh, good save. So, um, knowing me so far, I've done this what twice now. 
maybe once other time. I don't know. Just I picked CFL players. Shout out to CFL. I was going to say, let me guess, another CFL legend. <laughs> maybe not a legend, but, um, you know, he, he does have, you know, some records. Um, Joe Smith uh, was born in Monroe, but uh, he, claims his, he, claims, he claims his hometown is Cleveland, Texas. Now, I don't know much That's about okay. Cleveland, Texas, but those it's guys. It's around, around Houston. But uh, Smith played at uh, Tech for two years, at least it says on so it says on SportsReference.com, which you know where I get all my sports stats from. Um, he played on both the 2001 and 2002 Tech teams, which you know those weren't bad teams. I don't know if they were great, but they weren't bad. Seven and five, and then well, okay, 2002 was four and eight. Never mind. Correct. <laughs> Um, I was going to say, one of those teams didn't make a bracket of best 24 teams or whatever, 16 teams. Let's not go down that road again. <laughs> we don't have too many roads to go down anymore. We don't. Country so roads. he actually didn't start playing it. No, we cannot make that, that reference twice in a row, Matt. <laughs> save, it for, save it for the next bit we do. Oh, my aching ass. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, Joe Smith didn't even start playing at Louisiana Tech. He played two years at the New Mexico Military Institute. Okay. Or I don't know if he played there. He was at the New Mexico Military Institute before he came to Tech. <laughs> All Listen, right. it, it was very hard to find more information about this guy. A name like Joe Smith, very hard to search for anything. But uh, his uh, his first year at Tech, he uh, it would have been his junior year. He only played for two years. So he had, uh, he had about, what is it, 874 rushing yards. Not terrible. Not great. He was a running back, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, I should have probably clarified that. Listen, he was a defensive end. <laughs> he uh, his 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 senior year, his second year, two thousand two, he was actually selected as a uh, first team All whack Oh wow! And, uh, he was named offensive uh, the offensive MVP for Tech. Oh, what the he hell? Rushed for one thousand two hundred sixteen yards and added an additional three hundred fifty two yards in receiving. Wow! Uh, he had a total Dang. of sixteen touchdowns. Wow! So, uh, he put That's his season really total season total really of yards year. at about. 1,568. So that's pretty good. That is really good. You know, I would love to have another 1,200-yard rusher. Joe Smith, what the hell? <laughs> Out of nowhere. Full on that 4-8 and eight team. Right. <laughs> on a 4-8 <four> and eight <laughs> team. Not great. So uh, he actually graduated from Tech. He got his uh, bachelor's degree in sociology. Um, and then he went as a uh, free agent. He, I don't think he got drafted, but he was a free agent with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he didn't last too long there. He only spent about 15 weeks on the practice squad. He bounced around with the the Bucks and the Titans after that, and then uh, he ended up playing in the NFL Europa League with the Rain Fire, Ryan Fire. Ah, Ryan. Oh. He was a starting running back there, but I couldn't find many stats on that. Actually, I don't know if the NFL just likes to ignore that whole thing and pretend it didn't <laughs> happen. Probably wise. I don't know. But uh, in um, 2006, uh, he signed with the BC Lions in the CFL and replaced uh, their starting <laughs> running back. Yeah, to so the CFL man. Yeah, he his that 2006 season he had 887 yards, nine touchdowns, but uh, only two fumbles. Not bad. That's so uh, they they played in the Grey Cup that year, which is the what the Super Bowl equivalent. That, for is, the that is correct. That's correct. And they uh they won that. So hey, look at that Grey Cup champ. And then uh he uh he went on to set a uh the the BC Lions single season rushing record at uh oh. 1510 yards. Holy crap! <laughs> wow. When you consider that they only have three downs in CFL, yep. that's ridiculous. That's a lot. And I don't know when the CFL season starts. July 1st, but, right after okay. Canada Day. So it must have been like, because it, it, it gives me the date he set that record of October 28th. And I'm like, did someone laugh that was at an Canada NFL Day? season. I did laugh at Canada Day. <laughs> it's a, it's, 
Just let them have it. Wasn't their... it you that gave me shit for knowing about Canadian Thanksgiving a few episodes ago? Hey, you, you damn traitor. <laughs> hey, first oh, Monday man. in October, baby. Let's go. Uh, so, uh, actually, that may have been the uh, the TFL's rushing record because he uh, finished that season with the rushing and touchdowns leader, rushing touchdowns leader. So, 1,500 yards and 18 touchdowns. Wow. Made That's CFL really good. All-star. That yeah. is incredible, actually. I'm using a Chili's chip to drink salsa. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> and then he was uh, traded in 2008, and uh, that's about the last thing I could find on him because that is an incredibly hard name to search. Yeah, but how can you go from setting records to not even making a roster? Maybe the got, teams like thought he was the wrong Joe Smith. Like they brought <laughs> the wrong guy in. <laughs> he got traded from, where is it, British Columbia to Winnipeg. Oh, man. Now, I have no knowledge of Canadian geography, but... Winnipeg is... Yeah, it says it just says here he got released. So he was traded on September 1st, 2008 to the Blue Bombers. And then he was released on June 25th, 2009. And that's all Wikipedia has on him. Interesting, yeah. I mean, I, that's over. That's weird. I, a good, like, I, I did a lot of this research for Joe Smith the last time we did uh, Where Are They Now? And I just I could not find a thing Yeah, that's about tough. Him. But what an interesting thing. It was like he set records and then he just disappeared. Hmm. Yeah. Shout out Joe Smith. Where are you at, man? Yeah, Where are you? On the show? <laughs> we'll have you. We'd love to have you. Let me see. I'm, I'm wondering if the CFL has uh, has that had anyone pass his rushing. I don't know. Go to CFL.ca. <laughs> .ca. Who? Uh, he still has, he's still, you know, he's number two, tied with three other players for most rushing touchdowns in one season. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Tech players continue to ball out in the CFL, man. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Any, any rushing? Let's see, receiving. Come on, where's rushing? You were supposed to research before the podcast, Josh. I don't believe in that. I can't wait to see how well you're prepared, Matt, in a few minutes. I'm extremely well prepared. No, he, he, he's, he's not on the list. But the, weirdly, the CFL breaks down uh, their rushing categories into most rushing yards one season and in most rushing yards by a Canadian in one season. <laughs> <laughs> if America did that, it'd be racist. But uh, Canada, it's fine. All right. Anyway. Shout out Joe Smith. Shout out Joe Smith. All 2,500 different ones of you. <laughs> that seems low. That does yeah, seem- it's a pretty low estimate. How common is... <laughs> Man, this episode is great. The most yards from awful. scrimmage in the CFL is Mike Pringle. Mike Pringle? Mike Pringle. He did this twice. He put up 2,414 oh yards in two God. different seasons. Most yards Wait, from exactly in two different seasons. In, 2,414. In 94 and in 98. Wow. Who is this guy? God. You're right. I was under, by the way. There are 4,769 people named Joe Smith in the U.S. Wow. I would have guessed more. Yeah. Well, your math is still better than Evan, so. Hey. <laughs> All right. So let's see if there's any math involved in his player that he's talking about. Evan, who you got this week? Well, I didn't choose a player, so I'm just bucking Wait. all the rules. Um I chose my, my guy, his name is Will Wright. He was born in 1960 in Atlanta, Georgia. What about Will Wrong? Guy. Wait, do you know who this is? It's the guy who made... What? Right? Well, don't say it, you <laughs> bastard. Wow, wow. <laughs> Goddamn whore. Well, next anyway, episode. Yeah. He was born in 1960 in Atlanta, Georgia. Damn it, Nathan, that was going to be a big reveal, you bastard. Hey, to be fair, I didn't hear him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. I, yeah. 
As a child, he dreamed of space colonization, had a strong interest in robotics, and loved playing war board games like Risk and something called Panzer Blitz. Wait, did he become Elon Musk? <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, no, the answer of is Of his no. childhood, he says, quote, I was an obsessive kid. I would usually get very obsessed with some subject or area of interest for six months or a year and just totally learn everything I could about it. After graduating from Episcopal High School in Baton Rouge at the age of 16, he enrolled in LSU. Then after two years there, he got tired of it and came to Tech. There you go. At Tech, he studied architecture, then, uh, then swapped to mechanical engineering, then, quote, fell into computers and robotics. I don't really know what that means, but that's what it said. Did he literally um, fall into a pile of like circuit boards or something? Yeah. Probably not the most graceful landing. Yeah. He was uh, an excellent student when it came to subjects that he actually cared about, like engineering, science, architecture, and military history. There's those board games coming in again. But ultimately, he decided that tech was not for him either. So he, after two years at tech, he transferred to the new school in Manhattan. And this was in 1980. So he's 20 years old. Goes to Manhattan. While he's there, he lives in Greenwich Village, and he spent most of his time, rather than studying or paying attention to school, searching for spare parts at electronic stores. So he was like trying to build computers and messing with circuit boards, and you know, he fell into computers and robotics, like we said. So while he was there, he bought an Apple II computer, uh, but was dismayed when he learned that he couldn't play something called Conway's Game of Life which was a 1970 game that simulated life itself as the player quote unquote watched. So it was like a single cell growing and oh. all that kind of thing. Um, basically a simulation about uh, Conway Twitty. Never mind. No. Um, in order to implement the game on his Apple II computer, he taught himself Apple basic uh, Pascal and assembly language. So he was like a pretty big nerd. You could say. Really quickly, assembly language itself is impressive. That's yeah, that's not easy to learn. Basically, every other computer language translates what you're doing into assembly, which that's given to the computer. So it's like oh wow, coding and like the commands that the computer runs. It's that's impressive. So, that's hard to learn. Yeah, he's a genius. So it's like instead of like instead of reading the translated version of something, you're just like going straight to the original source and being like, yo, I'm reading this in like Aramaic or whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, that was, that was bad. Um, after just one year at the new school, like I said, he wasn't really paying attention to his schooling. Um, so he ended up moving back to Baton Rouge with his parents without completing a degree. So he never actually got a degree. Um, but while he was home from school one summer, he met Joel Jones, who was from the Bay Area in California, but was at uh, in Baton Rouge visiting family. Uh, the two fell madly in love, even though Jones was 12 years older than uh, our boy Will. Hmm. Um, shortly, So shortly after they, they fell in love, uh, Will dropped out of school completely, and he ditched the idea of going back, and he moved to the Bay Area with his new love. That turned out to be a good idea for him, because you know lots of things with computers were happening uh, in the 80s in that time in that area of the country, so... Um, he was able to return to the idea of computers and programming, and he started working on game design. Instead of working on games for his Apple II, he bought a Commodore 64 and started coding for that because he figured other people were already working on games for the Apple II and wanted to be one of the first to uh, come out with something for the Commodore 64. 
So his first game, which is called Raid on Bungling Bay, was a war game in which players pilot a helicopter and just blow stuff blow stuff up on an island. He said, quote, as part of making that game, I had to create this landscape with islands, little roads and buildings for you to bomb. And I found out that I was having a lot more fun with that part of it than flying around and bombing it in the end. So ultimately, when the game came out, it didn't do that well in the U.S., but it sold fairly well in Japan. After that initial dip into game design, he was totally in. He wanted to work on games that was like he found his calling, right? And so he started working on a second game, which focused on the intricacies of building landscapes and cities. The problem was that there wasn't really a point to the game. There, You didn't win, you didn't uh-huh. lose. Um, so no publishers would, would take, him, take him up on it. Like They were all like, but what's the point? So Will thought his game was good and fun, but no one was interested. So he just let it sit on a shelf until this guy, Jeff Braun, had a, uh, a house party that he went to. Braun was an entrepreneur who wanted to jump into the video game market, but just wasn't sure where to get into it. One of his entrepreneur bros suggested that he offer game developers free beer and pizza and like see if they would team up with him. <laughs> That's um, which, pretty hilarious, but it worked because Will went to this party and uh, Braun's first impression of him was that he was very shy and sitting by himself. And he said, quote, I felt sorry for him. <laughs> so... Uh, So he goes over and starts talking to him and uh, Will told him about his game. And Braun was like, dude, show me this game. Um, So Will kept saying that the game sucks. No one will like it. He thought, and Braun says, quote, he thought I was reaching into a garbage can and pulling out trash. So this guy clearly had high opinions of himself at this time. But um, eventually the two went into business together and they formed a company called Maxis. Oh, I know where this is going. Yep. Yeah. So in 1989, Will's second game, which you may have guessed already, Sim City was released. So this is nine years after he was at Louisiana Tech. Wow. Played a lot of Sim um, City back in the day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I had like the like the ten game pack you could buy with like Sim City, Streets of Sim City, Sim Farm, you know, all that whatever, all the random Sim games from the 90s, right? So. Needless to say, this game was a huge success. By 1995, the company was worth $38 million, and they went public, and the stock shot up to $50 a share like overnight when they when they uh, announced the public option. So he was on top of the gaming world, and the pressure was on to find his next sequel to SimCity. And it took him a lot of time, and honestly, the, the company Maxis struggled because he was trying to figure out what to make for his next game. He had this concept of a dollhouse where players would control entire families' lives, even including the way that they decorated their house. But Braun, the entrepreneurial side of the business, couldn't convince investors that this was a good idea because, again, there wasn't a point to the game. And they still didn't get it, that there doesn't have to be a point. right? So without investors to pay for the game, Wright, or, uh, Will Wright could not get his idea off the ground. So... Eventually, they pretty much had to end up selling the company to Electronic Arts, EA, as we all know, which is, you know, now we hate EA, right? Well, I guess back in 1998, when this happened, maybe it wasn't a terrible move. The move gave Will the money and the time to focus on the dollhouse, which became, of course, The Sims, which EA published in the year 2000. And that was, I mean, 
ridiculously successful, right? I mean, I think we've all played The oh, Sims, yeah. right? Like, oh yeah. So yeah, The Sims, and now they're on what Sims Four now. I mean, the Sims franchise as a whole, That's which crazy. we right, conceptualized and created and oversaw, has sold over two hundred million copies worldwide. So it's one of the it's one of the best selling video game series of all time. And in two thousand eight, he put out his what is now as of now his latest game called Spore which is much like his initial game fascination, oh, Conway's yeah. Game of Life, which is where play- in Spore, players start out in primordial soup and watch as their species evolves and get to kind of control the species and make decisions about what it looks like and what you do and you know how you survive. So it's just kind of, I found that interesting that he like took that original concept and like made it into a, a game you know, 40 years later. In 2007, he became the first video game developer to be named uh, a fellow of the British Academy of Film and Television Arts, which is BAFTA. Um, And then in 2009, he decided to leave EA behind and formed a startup uh, that didn't end up doing too well. Um, But in 2018, he announced that he's returning to game development and he's currently working on a mobile game called Proxy, which is a simulation Mm -hmm. of an artificial intelligence based on the player's memories and interactions with the game. So that sounds kind of terrifying. It Uh, does. But we'll see, I guess. Um, It's going to be called Skynet on launch. (laughs) Right. Wait. So Will Wright has been awarded numerous Lifetime Achievement Awards from all kinds of different publications like PC Magazine and Game Informer and all that kind of stuff. But I kind of think that Tech should go ahead and give him an honorary degree because I think, you know, he's already associated with us. He's on our Wikipedia page as a notable person. Yeah. I think it would be a cool move that would tie him closer to tech and, you know, maybe get some of that sweet, sweet Sims cash. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's how that works, right? Yeah. So um, anyway, so that is Will Wright, who the New Statesman called a legend among gamers, the nerds nerd, the undisputed king of simulation. So, yeah, because I was about to say even past like just SimCity or the Sims, like simulation games a couple of them existed before SimCity, but none of them were really all that popular. Think about like all the different games that are simulation games now that can trace their roots back to well, right. Yeah. Even if you yeah, didn't I mean, design them. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Like just to think about the impact that that game had. And like in the eighties, like I said, it was sitting on a shelf because people kept telling him that like his idea was dumb. It's like, oh, this idea is great. Okay. 200 million <laughs> copies later. Like, <laughs> Who's laughing now, right? Yeah. Well, so that's it for part one of the Where Are They Now? I guess it's part three or four, whatever. It's part one of what we're <laughs> recording today, and that's what really matters. Next week, we'll have another part of a Where Are They Now? Was I not going? You're going on the second part. Oh, I'm going on the second part. Okay. Yeah, shut up, Matt. Ah. If you want to hear Matt's, <laughs> jump one week into the future or download yeah. the next episode. Anyway, so... <laughs> Because it's a separate week, we'll do Tweet of the Week here. And this week's Tweet of the Week goes to at Techalum05, William Smith. Oh, God. Who we don't want to, I don't want to talk too much about the whole Twitter beef with the ULL podcast or whatever, but. There's no beef. We'd have to care. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Apathy is our weapon. Um, but his tweet was pretty great. It was the life cycle of the typical online arguments between Louisiana Tech fans and UL Lafayette fans. 
without upcoming games on the schedule. And it's a pretty big flow chart that I don't want to read all of because it's actually pretty long, yeah. but it's hilarious. And you but he nailed it. it. Yeah, it's, yeah, he did. Yeah. I mean, we already retweeted it. We can retweet it again. Uh, it's that good. But yeah, I mean, the only thing I want to say to that ULL guy, if he's listening, which he probably isn't, but um, first of all, I just wanted to know why you call us neck. Like, I don't actually, I, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be mad about it. Um, <laughs> because I don't understand the reference. Like I, like we call you ULL because it, because one, it's your name and two, it pisses you off like to no end. Right. Just so accept that it's your name. You are not the flagship. Right. So, but we say that because it offends you, right? That's part of the reason. But he said specifically that they don't call us neck to offend us. And if I have to ask, they can't explain it to me. And I'm like, I don't think, you know, and you just, I mean, I think it's an inside joke that ended up as an inside joke on one of the podcasts that they recorded and are bringing that into the Twitterverse where it's confusing to everybody who's not in on the joke. I get. And like I said, I mean, if I'm supposed to be mad about it and I'll be mad about it. Right. But I just like at this point, I'm just like, uh, okay, (laughs) whatever, man. Um, but yeah, ULL sucks. We all know it. Um, yeah, we don't need to go any deeper, I guess. Nope. They suck. Then let's wrap the show up there for part one before Matt jumps in (laughs) mad again. That wraps it up for this episode of the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E or head to our blog where we post things sometimes at gtpdd.dog.org. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. I'm Joe Smith. Where are you? Where are you? Which one are you? Please don't die. Probably had Dr. Miak. Don't Probably do this. Did. Don't do this. <laughs> For the love of God. I really don't just do want to hear I really just want to hear Matt's Dr. Mac impression. <laughs> don't do this. I live for it. Matt, please. Does anyone even know who Dr. Mac is besides myself and Evan? Don't think so. I've heard y'all talk about him before. <laughs> My name's Dr. Mac. <laughs> I like the Packers and I like cheese. <laughs> that dude literally brought his like his ownership, ownership papers in the backers to glass. It was like talking me. shit to every oh other God. person. Like, are you an He's, owner of your no, team? I don't he, think so. No, he did this one. He pulled this number on us in geograph <laughs> geography of pop culture. He said, uh, he looked at someone and was like, Who's your favorite NFL team? And he was like, uh, Dallas Cowboys. He was like, Well, do you own the Cowboys? He's like, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> he was like well, look at this. And he pulled out this, <laughs> this like certificate. He legitimately owns part of the Packers. Yeah, because they haven't yeah, done lots a public... of people do. Right, but they haven't done a public offering since 1997, which is when yeah. he got his. But Dr. Oh, Mack, yeah. just real quick, besides my amazing Wisconsin accent, uh, <laughs> is 
you had to know him to appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Is when he would always wear flannel, like not flannel, but plaid patterned stuff to class. And one time he was wearing this plaid shirt, sitting in his chair with his laser pointer. And he said, hold on one second. And he had to sneeze and he pulled a kerchief out of the breast pocket of his plaid shirt. And the kerchief was patterned just like the shirt. And <laughs> I it's called coordination. I lost it. I like had to, <laughs> I like looked down at my desk and was like pushing the tip of my finger in my face so I wouldn't laugh. Oh god, that was fun. He was a really cool guy. I miss Dr. Miak. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. I've got my fill for the night. So <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. What what a good post show sequence we just did right there. What a good coda.